in our series called 40 Days in the Word. And our whole focus in this series is basically to challenge us to get into God's Word. And I shared with you the stats that over the course of a week, the average Christian spends about three minutes in God's Word. And that is just not going to bring the knowledge of who God is and the impact into our life. And so we're working through this series, 40 Days in the Word. It doesn't mean at the end of 40 days we're all done and over and uh, the Bible is not necessary to that point. This is to kickstart us. It's to get us going and it's to help us focus on how significant it is. And this week I want to talk about how the Bible changes us. And that'll be our our focus for the, the whole morning and uh, how it really makes a difference in our lives. So you're going to need your sermon notes this morning. If you happen to get in here and you didn't get a copy of those, that's okay. Just slip up your hand and Richard will run around and get you one now. So, oh, you got some running to do this morning, Richard. So this is our people who are standing in line getting uh, bread and milk at the store and rolled in a little late because a little worried about the big winter storm rolling in tonight. You know, the Bible is really, it's unlike any other book. The Bible is different than any other book. That's why, I mean, we call it the Holy Bible. It means something different than other books. You know, there's a lot of good books in the world, right? I mean, you've read a lot of good books probably. There's some incredible books out there, ones that become what we call classics, right? I mean, there are some super books that that one day we call those bestsellers or multiple-time bestsellers, right? And I've been a reader all my life, so I've been in those books just the same as you might have been. But this book... It's different than any of those books. It's different than any book you've ever picked up before. This book, it has power. We say it has supernatural power. It has power to make an impact in our lives and to make a difference in our lives. And it has a power to change us. And that's our focus this morning. Last week, we looked at how we know we can trust the Bible. We looked at those, those things that we look at and we go like, you know, I can trust this book. It's reliable for these reasons. I encourage you, if you didn't catch that message, you can listen online to our teachings, to any of our teachings, and, and get caught up. The Word of God, really, it's the most powerful thing in the universe. In fact, we're told in the Bible that God actually created simply by His Word. He said things, and bam, things were created. Like we learned early on, Jesus, our God said, let there be light, and there was light. God creates with his word. In fact, the whole universe in the Bible, it's created over and over. Things are created by God's word, by his voice. And that is what the Bible is. It's simply God's word. It's God's voice. And you know this? God also speaks life into people. If you're here this morning and you're feeling a bit lifeless, if you're feeling a bit hopeless, if there's a a bit of deadness that you've been walking around with with your daily life, guess what? God speaks life into you. That's what he wants to do. And he wants to use his word to do it. Back when Jesus was walking on the planet, I mean, this was 2,000 years ago, we found that he actually physically brought people back to life simply by his word. He performed these miracles. And these are not things that like two or three people might have said. These are things that were often attested to three, four hundred people would see. Or we get the term multitudes would see Jesus perform these miracles by his word, by what he did. Rarely in the scripture, only a couple times, do we see any type of physical ritual that Jesus does in the healing. He heals. He performs miracles. He changes people's lives by his word. That's the power that he has to offer, and he writes it down in this book. Now, you and I, we don't have power like that, do we? We don't carry that kind of power in our life. Back when I was coaching baseball at Asbury College, uh, I used to get on the field, and I would say, all right, let's go. And, I mean, the guys would flock to me 
and stand in front of me, not quite at his attention, but with you know, pretty good posture, and they'd stand waiting for the next direction that I might be giving them on the baseball field, right? And these were 26 guys rushing to me by about three words. Now I have three kids now, and I'll uh, say things like, you know, kids, let's go. You know, and now I get like, what? Or, wait a minute. Um, or maybe sometimes silence. I'm powerless now. I've got no, I got no power anymore. It's over. Here's the words that Jesus says in the Bible, John chapter 6. He says, the words I have spoken to you, they are spirit. And catch this, they are life. They're life. That Jesus says it's not that just when Jesus was physically walking around that his words were life for people. It is that his word written down is life to us as well. That's what this is. So in other words, what Jesus is saying, look, my words are not just words. They're not just words. I mean, we're talking about spiritual powers, this power that comes into our life, and it can transform us. It can transform our our neighborhood. It can transform our, our whole culture. If we allow it that place in our life, it's that powerful. What do you need in your life? I guess it's the same thing I, I look for in my life at times. Change, right? Change. I look at things in my life and I go, man, I just, I need to do differently. I need to do, we use the word better, right? Well, that's what we're talking about this morning. Change. Things in your life that you don't like, things in my life I don't like. Well, how do we find that change? Maybe you've been trying to change, but in the end you look back and think, man, I, I've never really changed that much at all, though I seem to be trying. The Bible says that the Word of God can change things that you and I cannot change on our own. D.L. Moody, who was a very famous pastor in Chicago, about 100 years ago, here's what he said. The Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. That's a powerful statement. And that's what makes this book so different. So I want us to look this weekend at five specific ways that God uses His Word to change our life. These are five changes that if we would allow God's Word to have impact in our life, if we would invest in what His Word has to say, then we see this type of change. So how does the Word of God change us? Well, the first way is that it recreates me. It, it recreates my life. I and mean, this means that when life is falling apart or when life has just kind of gone into the pits or when life is kind of at the point where I just say those phrases like, I'm at the end of my rope, I don't know what to do next. God comes in and he recreates us. He makes us new. We are reborn is what the Bible says. It's that dramatic here. The Bible says we get a whole new life. It's not that we turn over a new leaf. We get a whole new life is what the Bible says. We get to start over like the slate is clean. Take a look at what James says in the word. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. I mean, notice this spiritual birth here. This is salvation that comes through the word of truth. How do we know how to have faith in Jesus Christ? We know how to have faith in Jesus Christ through God's word. Without the word of God, we couldn't be saved. You and I couldn't be saved. Why? Because without the word of God, we wouldn't be headed to heaven because we wouldn't even know what heaven is all about. We wouldn't know what salvation was all about. We wouldn't know how to even draw into a relationship with God. This book teaches us about that. This book teaches us about what it's like to walk, to talk with God, to be in right relationship with him. He recreates us. This book uh, shows us how to have purpose in our life. It shows us the purpose God has for our life. And then it shows us how to live out that purpose as well. We wouldn't really know how to do any of these things, any of these things without God's 
word. God is not silent. He's not silent at all. He speaks. He speaks in volumes. God's chosen to reveal himself because he wants us to know him. He knows all about us, but he wants us to know him. That's pretty special that, that God, our creator, this omnipotent God who is far superior than us, desires for us to know him. You know, when I was a teen, uh, I wanted to look like the lead singer of the band In Excess. Do you, you remember the band? Michael Hutchin was the lead singer, and uh, I so wanted to look like this guy. Um, so take a look at this picture. Uh, so I, I remember, you know, I remember going out and getting the white Levi jacket so that I could wear it. And I, I worked really hard to grow my hair out long because uh, I thought, you know, I could kind of look like him. And uh, he had this little walk, which I'm not going to display now, but, uh, you know, but at the time I would practice this walk and I thought was kind of embodying uh, Michael Hutchins. Now, I, I was playing baseball, so I couldn't have long hair. So I would shave the two inches right below here so that I could put it up and put my hat on. And, uh, you know, I'd fool my coach back in the day. But in my heart, that's what I wanted to look like. And so I grew it out. Well, no matter how much I, uh, I tried to look like him and how much I did the walk and sang the songs, yeah, I never was really him, right? <laughs> I never became him. And probably didn't ever even quite look like him, though in my mind I certainly did. You know, for us, the same is true. That God doesn't want us to just kind of resemble something. He doesn't want us to, to say, we have changed lives because we now carry a Bible or, uh, you know, we look the right thing or maybe we got the bumper sticker that says the right thing on that. He wants to transform our lives. God wants to create you into that person. That's what he wants to be. doesn't want you to just look like. He wants to recreate you into that person. How? The, Paul tells us, he's talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy, and he says this, From a child you have known the holy scriptures, which were able to make you wise unto salvation. It's recreation. You see, this book, this is the one that's going to show us the path to heaven. This is the book that's going to show us how to be like Christ. This is the book that's going to show us how to live better life. So it starts off by recreating my life, but, it, but there's even more to it. The second thing is that the Word of God, it erases my guilt. Now, this is a big one, really a big one. I don't have to have guilt anymore in my life. Did you know that? That's what the Bible tells us. I don't have to go around with regrets in my life, and I don't have to go around with shame in my life that, that just makes me cower back in life. You know, most people are stuck in memories of the past that they can't seem to get over. Either they've been hurt by somebody or hurt by a situation or, or they just felt like they were resented or maybe they're the ones that did the hurting or uh, they were the ones that did the resenting or maybe it's just a bad decision that was made and they're just having a hard time mentally or emotionally, psychologically getting over that issue. Can I just share with you a couple of verses that if you're dealing with guilt, you got to know these verses. I mean, you got to own these verses if you're dealing with it. Here's what it says, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is a powerful passage in the scripture. Saying if you are faithful, if you confess, if you confess to God with a heartfelt apology, Lord, I confess these sins and I confess these things before you and my God that this is not how you've wanted me to live and I give it to you. Guess what he says? Look, I'll forgive you. I'll wipe it away. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us we might not face some consequences on earth in our situation. If we, if we do something that lands us in jail, we might still have to hold out that jail sentence. But he's saying, look, look you, don't have, 
you don't have uh, these things hanging over you anymore. I forgive you of these sins. Here's a, here's a powerful one too in Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. That means when God looks at us, he does not, what the phrase that people often like to use, he does not damn us to hell. When he looks at us, there is no condemnation for our sin. That's what he's saying to us. I mean, you might look and say, you know, does that mean God's not going to punish me in eternity for my, for my sin or for what I've done in my life? No, not at all. And for many of us, we think, well, we're pretty good people, so of course God wouldn't punish me. I mean, I haven't done many bad things. But guess what? Take the worst person that, that you can imagine, and that person, those verses apply to them just the same. Just the same. That's powerful stuff. Life changed, that your, your guilt can be erased. It can be taken away. I mean, things like that. that is, that's a guilt reliever right there when we read those type of passages. Let me show you a couple of verses from Ephesians chapter 5. It says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. You can circle that phrase if you need, through the word. That's, that's the power in that passage right there. What's he saying? When I take the word of God and I fill, it, fill my mind with it, you know what it does? It washes my mind. It washes me. That's what the Word of God is doing. It washes my body. It cleans off that dirt, or we like to say around here, it cleans up the junk of my life. That's what the Word of God does. It washes me clean. The shame and the sin, it washes it out of my life. That's what God's Word is doing. It's what it does. It makes me clean inside. And this, this spiritual cleaning, guess what comes with it? Guilt erasing. That's what comes with it as well. That God is not saying, look, you're clean, you're, you're forgiven, you're renewed, but I need you to go around daily and live with this guilt and this shame the rest of your life. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to God. And so he says, look, I erase it. Next, did you know that uh, the word of God, it activates my faith? It activates my faith. It not only eliminates or erases that guilt, but then it kickstarts, it activates my faith. And this is so important. You know why? Because in my faith, this gives me confidence. I don't know about you, but I've learned and discovered that for most people, they're not confident at all. And certainly not when it comes to faith type issues. Not confident in our faith. They're not courageous in our faith. Sometimes we're just flat out scared to death when it comes to faith issues. Sometimes we're filled with all kinds of fear and we're just not walking confidently because overall we're not really people of faith. We're people who believe things. But being a people of faith is a little different. Faith is really... It's the word activated. That's what faith is. The word activated in our life. Take a look at Romans chapter 10. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. If you've ever read a verse in the Bible, and all of a sudden it like hits you when you read the verse, I can do that. I can do that. That makes sense to me. Well, guess what? You've just had your faith activated by the word of God. That's what's happening in your life. If you've ever listened to a pastor preaching, myself or somebody else, or you've done a Bible study, or you've heard something on the radio, or, or you just had the word open yourself, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I can do that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, guess what? You just had your faith activated by the word of God. It's what God's word does for us. It activates us. Have you ever been to one of those uh, maybe camp meeting revivals where there's some guy really hammering on the hellfire and brimstone message. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been to one of those? Yeah, here's the problem. It's often that people come forward, and people always come forward at those things, but they come forward thinking, and this is the phrase, they come forward thinking, 
I'm bad. I don't want to be bad anymore. That's, that's what they come forward thinking. And then they go away and they say things in their mind like, I'm just going to try much harder now. And what a surprise that life never changes. It's never any different in their life because they've never really encountered the one that, who recreates their life. They've never really encountered it. And so they go out and they can't make the changes that they're trying hard to make. But listen to this. The power of God's word not only tells us what to do, it gives us the power to do it. That's what it does. It gives us the power to get out and do it. And it increases our faith. I mean, if we're not careful, our prayer is not, God, do something incredible in my life, in and through me. Our prayer is just something like, Lord, just just help me get through the day. Just help me make it through today. Now, those are good prayers to pray at certain times. I mean, we have rough days that we go through sometimes. But you know what? God has so much more for us. So much more than just endure this, endure this afternoon, endure this day, make it through the weekend. God wants to do something incredibly real and special in our lives. When we read God's word, it's like God's promises that are talking directly to us. Directly to us. And you can receive them. And guess what? You can claim those promises when we read God's word. I can start to think, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can spend the rest of my life following Jesus on his timetable, on his path, and as he directs. And I can give my entire life over to him. That's what the word of God does to us. It activates our faith. It kickstarts it and gets us going. That gives us confidence to do enormous type of things. Enormous things. Why? Because that word of God has activated us. It's activated our faith. Let's take a look at the fourth thing that the Bible can do for us. And that's that it stimulates my spiritual growth. So it recreates my life, right? It lets me start over. It gives me a fresh start. I'm born again. It erases my guilt. It wipes away. It gives me a clean slate to begin. And and it activates my faith. And then I start growing. I start growing because it stimulates my growth here. And I start growing. I love this verse in Acts chapter 20 where Paul says to the people of the city of Ephesus, here's what he says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. In other words, he's saying here, look, I'm out of here. I'm going to be headed off. I don't know if I'll ever see you guys again. So I'm going to commit you to God and to the word of his grace. And then he says, which can build you up. You can circle that if you want. That's stimulating your growth right there. That's stimulating. The word of God can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What does that mean, give you an inheritance to all those that are, are sanctified? Well, you know what inheritance is, of course. An inheritance, you know, is when you get something for, for being a part of a family, right? You, you, you get something at some point. You know, when my grandmother passed away, I was inherited a piece of land in Temple, Georgia. Uh, and even before that land was inherited to me, I was able to go and play on that land and grow up on that land. Uh, why? Because cause I was family. I was part of the family. When you become a follower of Jesus, when you put your life in Christ's hands... When you start over with Jesus, you know what? You're not just a believer. You're a belonger. You become part of God's family. You become a part of it. And with that come the privileges of being a part of God's family as well. Now, there's responsibilities to being a part of God's family, but the privileges are great to be a part of it. You know, the Bible says you have an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance that you're going to gain from God, not just here on earth, though you'll gain it here, but in eternity as well, in heaven. That's what he's saying to us. Think about if we went through our entire life as believers, knowing that we're believers, 
And yet we don't know anything about the inheritance. We don't know anything about what God hands over to us. We don't know anything about the privileges that come with being a believer of Jesus Christ. That wouldn't be too smart, would it? Wouldn't be smart at all. Yet many of us, we walk around and we live our lives that way. Why? Because we're ignorant of God's word. Because we don't have God's word open. We don't know what's in there. We don't spend time learning about those privileges and what he has to offer to us. Take a look at 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 7. We talked about this last week, but we'll continue throughout this whole series using this verse. All scripture is God-breathed and it's useful. Notice now it says four things. Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The purpose of the Bible is to help you live out God's purpose for your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to live out God, his purpose and live out his life. And that we'll be thoroughly equipped, that we'll have everything we need, that we can walk through life and we're not insufficient to live life. You got everything you need to live in life. And that's what this passage is, is saying to us. It says four things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Let me say it another way, those four things. Teaching is when God shows me the path to walk on. That's him, that's him teaching me. Rebuking is when God shows me I got off the path and now I'm in the ditch somewhere. He's rebuking that. Correcting is how he says, get back on the path. Here's how you do it. The path for life, the path for your life. And then training is how I stay on that path and, and don't fall off again in the ditch. That's what this passage is telling us here. And every word in this Bible is useful for that. That's the way the word speaks to us. Let's look at our final thing this morning. We said he creates our life. He erases my guilt, activates my faith. He stimulates my grace. But also, do you know that God's word elevates my mood? Yeah, did you know that? That it elevates my mood. It elevates my disposition. For some of you this morning, you, you might need a pretty good mood lifter. Maybe right now you need a mood lifter, right? Um, I won't ask for hands, but uh, you might need it. I mean, you might be down in the dumps today. You might have woke up and you're feeling a bit grumpy. You might be blaming it on the fact that you're not a morning person, but... Uh, but you need a, a mood lift. You might be having a pity party this morning and like you only invited yourself and, uh, and you're just, uh, you're in the dumps there. You know, when you get discouraged, when I get discouraged, you know, we don't need a little coffee break. That's not what we need. Those, those are nice, right? Well, I don't drink coffee, but you know, nice for you. Oh, um, <laughs> we don't need those things. You know, we don't need to rush off for another getaway in the weekend, you know. Uh, we don't need those things. We don't need to just, you know, retreat and maybe go see a movie and scrounge the popcorn and um, we don't need those things. We need to get into God's word. We need to get into God's word because it is a mood lifter. The Bible encourages us. That's what it's there for. Did you know that? To encourage us. How do we know that? Take a look at Romans fifteen four. Everything was written in the past. He's talking about the Bible here. Was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Circle those words if you need. Everything encouragement, scriptures, hope. Everything in the scripture is for our encouragement and our hope. Everything? Yeah. That's what the Bible says. Everything that was written is meant to encourage you. It's meant to encourage me. It's meant for, for our encouragement. It's this mood elevator. Even the tough parts of the scripture, the things that challenge us, the things that sometimes I go, I don't know if I like that. So I wish God would have left that out. Those are there to encourage us to change our mood, to change our disposition, to give us hope and joy in life. 
Uh, when you're discouraged, what do you do? Uh, do, you, do you eat? You know, maybe go to the grocery store and, and get all the, the snack foods. Or maybe you buy things. You like to go out and buy yourself something. You, kinda, you get discouraged and you think, yeah, I deserve something. Maybe you just like to be a grump. You know, and, uh, and you're just grumpy with, with everybody around you. Um, I don't know, maybe you go out to the golf course and, and um, you break your golf clubs over your knee and throw them in the lake and then look around to see if anybody may have saw that, hoping they didn't. I, I'm not talking from personal experience on that last one at all, but um, I understand it happens, and it happens sometimes. So, seriously, the, you know, the next time you're discouraged, the next time you're fatigued, the next time you're just you're emotionally drained or you're wiped out, don't head off to the TV to zone out. Try opening God's Word. Opening God's Word and getting into the Bible. Why? Because it has the power to change our life. It has the power to change our mood. It has the power to change what we're going through. It has the power to tell us if it's our fault what we're going through. It has the power to tell us if you have a right to be feeling the way you did. And if you don't, it has the power to tell us what to do about it. It elevates our move. Now, television, it can tell you what to do a lot of times, especially if you're watching about 1.30 in the morning. There's all kinds of good infomercials that can tell you what to do. But it can't give you the power to change your life. can't do that at all. It's a mood elevator. That's why every single one of us needs to spend some time every day in God's Word or with God. It's called a quiet time. We talk about it a lot. It's getting away and spending time with God. If this is the element that's missing for you right now, I can't overstate what a huge part of connecting with God you're missing if you're not spending daily time in God's Word. And guess what? There's no special one way you can do this. It's not like if you don't hit these four criteria, you've blown it. It's just getting quiet before God, spending a little time thanking God for what He's given you in your life. It's opening up and reading a passage, even a short one if you need to start there. And then it's reflecting, what does this passage mean to my life? How can I put this into practice in my life? It's actually interpreting your life through God's word is what it helps you do. Do you know what one of my pet peeves is? Uh, I mean, this thing I just can't stand. I'm not sure why, but it just bugs me to no end. Is when I like go on Facebook and I see a post where somebody has interpreted their life through some popular song that's out there on the radio. You know, um, I, know I, I know what you're thinking. Um, you're thinking you do this, and is he talking about me? Uh, but, you know, they, they say something like, you know, I feel like this is going like, and then quote, and then there's a bunch of lyrics from some song, and um, I don't know. It just bugs me for some reason when I look at it. Like, like I'm singing along with their thoughts as they're typing it. Um, all right, sometimes that does happen. Sometimes I am actually singing along. But, uh, you know, one this week I read, uh, it said, today I feel like, quote, hello, is it me you're looking for? You remember that song? End quote. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what that means, you know? Hello is a me you're looking for. That's how you feel today. Um, are you lost? Are you trapped in a, somebody's car trunk or what? I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. Why do we do things like that? You know, often I really think, seriously, I think it's because we're not in God's word and we have trouble interpreting our lives through God's word. That's what we have trouble. We, we don't have a hard time interpreting our lives through all kinds of other things out there. Music, TV shows, movies, characters, all kinds of stuff. But we have trouble interpreting our lives through God's word. Here's what Psalm 119.14 says. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to what? To renew me. To renew me. That that's what God's word does. We can interpret our lives 
through God's word because he renews us here. He encourages us. He gives us hope. It's a mood elevator, disposition changer in my life. Let me share with you the application question this morning. You've got it in your notes. How do I gain these benefits? If these five are benefits to my life, how do I gain these type of things? Well, we're going to talk in depth about this over the next several weeks, but let me give you a little preview. Three things. Number one, I got to learn it. I got to learn God's word. I mean, that sounds a dust statement, huh? Simple enough. I got to learn God's word. You really, you can't do something you've never learned about, right? Can't do something you've never learned about. We got to learn God's word. Look at what uh, Mark says in his gospel. He says, your trouble is that you don't know the scriptures. Jesus is speaking here. Your trouble is you don't know the scriptures. Do you know who he's saying this to in God's word? It's not the people. It's not the crowd. It's the Pharisees. The religious leaders is who he's saying this to. He says, you guys, you know what your trouble is? You don't know the scripture. Do you think, how do you think those Pharisees might have received that, that day? I mean, that's crazy. But let me follow, follow me in this logic here. Do you know that what your problem is, is not really your problem? Did you know that? Your problem is never really your problem. Your problem is how you respond to your problem. You and me both, we fit in the same category. You can take two people, they have the exact same problem. One overcomes and one fails, right? One succeeds and one doesn't. Why? The problem is not the problem. The problem is always your response and our response to the problem. Every problem is this opportunity. It depends on how we respond to it. It might be an opportunity for growth. It might be an opportunity for prayer. It might be an opportunity to trust God more. Uh, it might be an opportunity to develop character within me that's lacking. It might be an opportunity to see God do a miracle. The problem is not the circumstance. The problem is response. The reason we get into so many problems is we don't know how to respond correctly sometimes to our problems that we face. So we typically, often, we do the exact opposite of what might be the best thing for us to do, Right? This is what uh, Proverbs says. There is a right way that uh, there's a way that seems right for men or human beings, but it always ends in death. We don't often respond to our problems the right way, so we create additional problems, right? And then we have to deal with those problems as well. That's why Jesus says here, you know what your problem is? It's that you don't know the scriptures. Because if you if you did, you know how to respond correctly. You know how to respond. Jesus is saying here that this book, this Bible, has the power to help you in how to deal with situations every day in your life. And yet, how would we know that if we haven't opened up God's Word and we've been working through it and reading? So we got to learn it. Secondly, we have to accept it. That means I accept it as the authority in my life. We talked a little bit about this the first week. There are things in the Bible sometimes that I don't understand, and I don't get it. It's not clear to me. There's some things in the Bible I don't particularly like. There's things in the Bible that God's challenging me to do. There's things in the Bible that, that though I know they're right, they make me uncomfortable having to do them. And then there's some, like I said before, there's some things in the Bible I just wish God had left those out altogether, and it would have been much easier, uh, this this whole Christianity thing. So why do I accept those things? Is it just because of ignorance, or I'm not intellectual enough to accept those? No, it's because I trust God. I trust God. I liken it in in my life to like an ant being able to comprehend the internet. Um, I just don't have the capacity to understand. Oh, it doesn't mean I don't study. It doesn't mean I can't, can't look and learn more and more. It doesn't even mean I can't question God at times, but it means I understand where I'm at and I understand what God's trying to do. 
uh, trying to do in my life. You know, I don't uh, fuss at the TV with anything like, like Atlanta Braves baseball. I, I fuss at the TV. Sometimes in my house I can kind of clear the room a little bit uh, because of my fussing. Um, if it's winning, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, if they're winning and things are going well. If they're losing, um, not quite as good. I mean, it's something like the, the, the look is something like this. You know, you know, you've done that with your team. That's kind of how it goes. I mean, I'm yelling things like, you know, you got to hit that pitch or why are we stealing here? Or the very intellectual, I say, catch the ball, you know, as if a player was going to turn around and say, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Thank you for that. But you know, someone I never really fuss at, I never do, is the coaches. Maybe it's because I'm a former coach, but I never really fuss at the coaches. I guess I always assume that they have a strategy, they put it into play, it's the player's job to do it, and uh, they've, they've explained the benefits, so the players need to make it happen, right? And I've learned oftentimes the problem is the players have just not bought into what the coach is trying to coach, right? That happens sometimes for ourselves. We just haven't accepted it. We haven't accepted it, even though sometimes we know it. Here's what the Bible says in First Thessalonians 2. When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, Paul says you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So we got to believe it for God to work in us. So we learn it and we accept it. And the third thing is we, we act on it. That's what we do. We act on it. Take a look at John chapter 13, verse 17. It says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed since you know them. No, that's not what it says at all, does it? Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you write them down in your notebook or journal. No, it doesn't say that either. It says very clearly, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you do them. Now imagine if your kids at your house only knew they needed to take the trash out. Only knew that the trash needed to be taken out. You would say, yeah, that doesn't work very well. And some of you would say, yeah, that sounds about right in my house right now. Of course, I know some of you, as you're thinking that, you're thinking about your husband and not your kids. And uh, I just want you women to know, we'll get it taken out, okay? Uh, as soon as we delegate it or uh, on the next commercial. Um, but it'll, it'll get out, okay? You don't get blessed for the parts of the Bible you know. Make sure you hear that. You don't get blessed for the parts of the Bible that you know. You get blessed for the parts of the Bible that you do. You know, I don't get blessed because I know I should serve those in need. I get blessed when I serve them. I don't get blessed when I know I should tithe and trust God with the 10% of my finances. I get blessed when I step up and I do it and I trust God. I don't get blessed because, you know, um, I just know that being in God's word every day would be a benefit. I get blessed when I open up God's word and I work through it daily. No, I've got to do it. I've got to learn it, accept it, and I got, I've got to act on it. I've got to actually do it. When I do that, you know what happens? I get my life recreated. I get my guilt erased. My faith gets activated. My spiritual life starts to grow and grow and grow, and my mood changes. And these things happen when I learn it, when I accept it, and I'm willing to act on it. So this morning, I want to go and I want to spend a little time in prayer. And, and this morning, as I, as I shared the, the word, maybe this morning you like, man, one of those points, that's me dead on. Yeah, that's me dead on, and I just need to allow the Word of God to impact my life. Or maybe you're one that you get all the way to the end and say, look, I know it, I I really accepted God's Word, but I just have a hard time doing it. It's just hard to do it for me. I'm going to allow you the first part of our prayer 
we'll just go to prayer in silence. I want to allow you to just do your own business with God. Just, just go before him, talk to him, and then I'll finish this up uh, after a little bit of time. Then we're going to invite the praise team up and we'll sing and we'll, we'll go out together. Let's pray.